Hey everybody, and welcome to our first breakdown of a Formula One race. Yes, the 2022 season is over, and we have a winner, and after the months of speculation, after two tests, whether you want to count Barcelona as a test or not, after the speculation, the testing, the questions, we have some answers, and oh my god, I feel like I should be singing the Italian National Anthem right now. The Formula One 2022 season with a Bahrain Grand Prix as a season opener delivered. And I think these new cars have delivered. This season is off to a great start. And I think we have had everything we could have asked for for a season opener. Maybe not so much drama, but the point is this race got started and it delivered. And the race weekend delivered, and the new cars delivered, and there has been some surprises, there have been some amazing things, and and a historic team, Ferrari, Ferrari, La Scuderia, they're back, right, they're back, they've arrived, and oh my god, for like the years of Charles Leclerc, the Monegasque, the Monegasque, that we've had so much hope for. He might be this year's champion. I mean, Ferrari looks incredibly spectacular. And listen, I know it's just the first race. And I know we're talking about new cars. And I know we're talking about a totally different season from any others, at least in recent years. But, man, I don't think we could have asked for more for 2022. There was so much going on throughout this whole Bahrain race weekend. And I'm sorry if I'm sounding too excited, but... I'm not going to lie, like, this race weekend, I've been pumped from Friday on. Like, I've been anticipating it, I've been waiting, I've been anxious. And, you know, from our first practice sessions, we could tell that things were going to be interesting. We knew that Ferrari was good, we knew that Red Bull was good, we knew Max, Checo, we knew that, hey, listen, Mercedes wasn't looking so good. And we're like, alright, there's going to be something new at the front, there's going to be a new order at the front. And it looked like... Ferrari and or Red Bull. It actually looked this whole race weekend, it looked like Red Bull was the team to beat. And then came race day. Um, you know, obviously qualifying, right? We saw we saw Max not quite on the pole. We had Charles Leclerc on the pole. We had Car we had Max Verstappen in second, and we had, you know, Carlos starting third, and we're like, alright, well, we're gonna see how this goes. And I'm right off the race. I mean for Shaw's credit. Ferrari, like, Charles Leclerc, Charles Leclerc, Charles Leclerc, right, the Monegasque, he had just a solid race. It was one of the more dominating races we have seen, and, and just from that onset, Charles, or Charles, looked like he was just going to dominate, and he ran a perfect race. You really can't complain about how he ran that race, and I think people were more than pleased to see the result. And and Ferrari being back. I mean, listen. We had some great moments in this race. We had we had Charles Leclerc and we had Max Verstappen racing each other. We had the Carlos, you know, Carlos Sainz falling close behind. We had Sergio Perez at times taking a peek. Um and hey, speaking of the Ferrari family, listen, Quali too, I mean man, we had Kevin Magnussen qualifying seventh. We had Valtteri qualifying sixth. We had Lewis Hamilton right next to him. I mean, this race, I just feel like, was what we wanted from these new regulations. And 
this race delivered on everything we could have asked for. And, you know, going into the race weekend again, there were so many questions. What teams were going to be good? What teams were going to be bad? Who was at the top? We knew Red Bull and Ferrari looked good. We knew that Mercedes had problems. But I think what's really cool was, I mean, listen, the race aside, I'm going to get into Ferrari's battle and what Mercedes did and Red Bull, who are going to have some head-scratching to do this week. But, I mean... This race truly did deliver, and some of the great surprises. I mean, this was a very, like, listen, Formula One, for the longest time, has been associated with the opposite of parity. has been associated with, you know, the dominant teams are the dominant teams, and that's the order that's going to finish. And then you have the midfield, and you don't know. But today was special, because if you look at this top six, I mean, we have Leclerc. We have Science. We had Hamilton and Russell, third and fourth. Kind of expected, but we'll talk about that in a second. And then, how about fifth place? I mean, God, Haas. Haas F1 team. You know, from just, you know, being the punchline of the sport, undoubtedly, for at least maybe the last two years, or maybe even, and you could say that partially that was because of Drive to Survive, but Haas F1 has been the punchline of the sport, for at a minimum the past two years, maybe three. And for them to get that fifth place today with Kevin Madison, like, it cannot be understated how truly special that is for that team. We're talking about a team that has undoubtedly gone through the ringer. I mean, when it comes to sponsorship woes, when it's come to, you know, just funding the struggle... They're the only team from America right now in F1. And, you know, I know people say, I, I know I heard on during testing that they were saying, well, they're not really an American team because they have factories in England and Italy. But, no, nah, at heart, they're an American team. And, yeah, they've struggled. I mean, the Haas struggles are, are real. Last year, 19th and 20th, almost every race, they were the bottom of the field. Um, They had a sign Nikita Mazepin when... He was not, I'm sorry, listen, you can argue what you want, you could say what you want about the driver being signed, but Nikita did not belong to the seat he was in. And, you know, Haas F1 had just struggled immensely. And they were the embarrassment, they were the punchline of the sport, they were probably the sign of, like, everything that you could say is wrong with the sport. You know, either you could talk about them in, maybe not, you could talk about them in the sense that the sport is negative and that... You know, the costs are too high, a team like them can't survive. You talk about them when it comes to pay drivers and, you know, basically getting Eurocali and the Mazepins to sign on board to give them the fundings, basically like, you know, selling themselves out. But, I mean, this redemption story, it's it's one of the craziest things because, I'm sorry, I, I'm going on a Haas, like, love story here, but it's true, like, this team, if you think just a month ago, we're talking about Mick and Nikita. And, you know, I mean, let's get real. We were looking, and they're like, all right, Mick has some positives, but looking at Nikita Mazepin, we're like, what is this guy doing? Like, he's not really the best driver. He hasn't really proven himself in any sense of the form, whether it comes in maturity or with drivability or awareness or anything. And, you know, just thinking a month ago, this team was... Still an embarrassment. And then, you know, they're forced to get rid of Eurocali. They're forced to get rid of the Mazepins for obvious reasons. 
And they bring back Kevin Magnuson. And this guy, who has not raced in Formula One in over a year, comes back, sets good time. Well, all right, the first practice I saw them, I'm not going to lie, they were on the hard tires, but I was like, you know, I don't know. Haas on the hards, 1920th, maybe like testing was a fluke. And then I'm like, all right, let me see the other practices, though. And, you know, I saw their Twitter. They said they were doing some race runs. They were one of the other teams that were on the hards. So I took that into consideration. And they come out and practice the second practice, third practice. They look they look decent. And then comes qualifying. And, you know, next thing you know, both Haas's are getting past Q1. We have Mick just on the borderline of making Q3. You know, he gets into Q2. Um... He's on the borderline of getting into Q3. Magnuson, oh, heart attack central, though. He had that little hydraulic leak, the power steering issue, I believe it was. And, uh, you know, we're like, ah, oh, of course, Haas luck. They're going to end up getting into Q3 and not getting a chance. But Magnuson got a chance, got to sol solidify his time, got Q7. And uh, I'm looking at them, I'm like, you know, this Haas car is not slow. And, you know, just the redemption arc for them. To me, is just like one of the special stories. You love these little special stories in F1. You love the little guy that could. It's David versus Goliath. And, you know, for Haas, this team, to see them just struggle throughout the year and to have the finish they had today, of course, getting into fifth was a little bit of luck, but they were still on track for a solid seven-plate finish, which we would have been celebrating a seven-plate finish for Haas. But the fact is, Haas, to me, is one of the feel-good stories of the weekend. And... If you don't feel like that's a feel-good story of the weekend, then you need to get, like, your vibes checked or something. Because, I mean, they truly had a good run today. And I'm just, I'm still trying to process everything that happened today. But that was one of my, like, feel-good stories of the week. And then, of course, right along that was Valtteri, man. Valtteri gave us the roller coaster ride, I think, of this race. Again, two teams with questionable reliability issues. The Haas and the Alphas. And, uh, you know, the Alpha, I mean, first of all, props to Valtteri, qualifies sixth, manages to finish sixth, again, with a little bit of luck, but still, like, he had that terrible start, and was able to come back from that, redeem himself, and then how about Zhou Guayu? I mean, this guy, rookie people are counting him out, you know, they're saying, listen, this guy doesn't belong in F1, he's a pay driver, there are other better people like Teo Pocher, you know, Oscar Piastri, why couldn't they get a ride? But I, I truly think that this weekend he proved, listen, people are counting him out. Like, they're like, Joe Wanyu. But they forget he had a good Formula 2 season. He wasn't the worst. He had some wins. Um, he, he proved he was a decent enough racer. It's not like he was in Nikita Mazepin where he was going to totally box it. I mean, yes, he brought some money with him. But he's not just a paint driver. He has some skills. So, you know... The criticize the the criticizes the critiques against him were a little off base, I think, and I hope he continues having good races because this finish was well deserved. And speaking of drivers with maybe a well deserved weekend as well, um, you know Yuki Yuki Tsunoda struggling qualifying, struggling the practices. I think he had some kind of issue in qualifying, but um, you know Yuki managing to be the points getter for Alpha. Carrying Red Bull powertrains this weekend. Uh, Yuki also, I think, you know, listen, Yuki needs to be getting the points. He needs to prove that he belongs there. And to get points in that Alpha, that Alpha Tauri, uh, it's huge. And, you know, he had a solid race. It was pretty consistent. He didn't do anything extravagant. 
but um, I think that's where Yuki needs. He needs just good, solid starts and good, solid races. I, I like Yuki, and I hope he continues. Um, are the surprises, uh, maybe more so in the negative sense, what is up with McLaren? That was heartbreaking to watch. I mean, oh, man, it was painful, actually. Like, just watching two drivers that should not be where they are, Lando and Danny. And, and I know Daniel Ricciardo's struggles, I guess, are a little more understandable. He had not really got much seat time. He had the COVID issue. He had mechanical issues during practice. So I understand Danny Rick struggling and uh, Lando just struggling, too. I mean... Both drivers should not be there. They should not be 14th and 15th. I hope McLaren... It, it just doesn't make sense to me why McLaren is struggling so much. Because that team is a team that seems to have the proper foundations. I mean, they have the right engineers. They have the right system around them. They have good drivers. It's not like Danny or Lando or mediocre drivers at all. I think they'll give you the most out of the car that they can. And uh, to see them just struggle at the back of the pack, I mean, it was painful. It was painful to watch. And, you know, it reminded me of 2017 McLaren again. And I'm, I'm just puzzled. I can't figure out why a team like that would struggle this much. And it's heartbreaking to watch because they shouldn't be back there. They really shouldn't. And, uh, you know, I really hope they can figure it out because... Man, this has been a team. McLaren has been a team on the ups. You know, finishing third in the Constructors, fourth in the Constructors. They had podiums last year, victories last year, podiums the year before. To see them just flat out struggling, it's mind-boggling. And I know these are new cars, and I know there's a lot going into it. I know a lot of people have been saying that this is like, quote-unquote, the third test. But, I don't know. I hope they figure it out quick. I hope they maybe have, like... Somebody pointed out on Twitter, I, I can't remember the name, and I'm sorry for not bringing you up, but somebody mentioned maybe they'll have, like, that Ferrari-like arc, like last year, where, you know, the beginning of the year, they were absolute trash or just couldn't maintain, and then they'll find it out. They'll figure it out. And I hope so, too, because, man, Lando nor Danny deserve that, and people are quick to harp on Danny Ricardo uh, for his struggles, and it's unfortunate. I mean, he... Maybe he should have stayed with, you know, you could always say he could have stayed with Red Bull, could have stayed with Renault, could have stayed with Alpine, whatever. Um, but, I mean, at the end of the day, you would have thought McLaren was the right move, and he does have a window to them, but uh, it just, today wasn't their day, and I hope they figure it out. The Williams cars, I mean, Albon, I think Alex ran a great race, aside from almost taking out Carlos Sainz. What was up with that? That was pretty crazy. Uh you know, after a, I think it was after a pit stop where he was getting lapped, he almost flat out took out Carlos, which would have been, oh my God. Could you imagine? First race back for Alex Albon, he takes out Carlos Sainz, who's in the running for a podium. That would have been, I mean, <laughs> that would have been just embarrassing. But no, I think Albon did have a solid race. He finished ahead of Nicholas Latifi and just ran a solid race. And, um, you know, the Williams weren't impressive. I thought they would have been a little better. I'm hoping that they get some more speed. I thought they were another team that was on the up. But we'll see where they fill in. Uh, Aston Martin, the other team that's struggling, man. Like, McLaren and Aston Martin were two teams that have a lot of hype around them. For the past two years, they've had a lot of hype. Aston Martin didn't really deliver last year. Uh, McLaren did in some senses, but to see Aston Martin struggling, I mean, listen. 
Nico Hulkenberg, I get it. He's going to be in the back. He has a new car, got limited seat time with that car. I understand him being in the back. Lance finishing out of the points. It just wasn't anything impressive. I hope that when Seb gets in that car, they figure things out too because I don't think I could, I don't think my heart can handle three years of Seb just struggling and, uh, you know, struggling to get a good finish. Um, other than that, the Alpines looked decent. The Alpines definitely looked decent. Mercedes, listen, it's funny because Mercedes went with that weird strategy today. And uh, it actually ended up paying off a little bit. Um, Mercedes got a little bit of luck their own way. But, again, that proves to you, like, Mercedes is a team that, personally, I feel they'll figure it out. And I think by the end of the year, we're going to be close between Ferrari, Mercedes, and Red Bull. I still think that there's not a doubt in my mind that Mercedes is going to figure out this problem. They might not figure out Saudi Arabia is a quick turnaround. That's That's not going to happen, but... I think they will honestly figure it out at least before the fourth or fifth race of the season. And we'll see things tighten up for sure. Uh, I'm, I'm confident of that, that we'll see Mercedes and Red Bull and Ferrari definitely eking it out. And, uh, you know, solid races from Hamilton and Russell. You know, it's funny because Lewis, you know, for as much as that team has been struggling all weekend, and we're not going to shy away from the fact that they were struggling, as much as they've been struggling, they found a way to down on the podium and hey props to that team for finding a way uh that's what mercedes does best when you think they're out they're truly not so props to mercedes for winning a solid race um the only other team that i guess the question mark goes around red bull man red bull looked strong all weekend they looked like they were the team to beat and you know all of a sudden max gets a pit i know oh that matt that max and charles leclerc battle was great Right? That was impressive to see. I was having flashbacks from Lewis and Max last year. But, um, you know, towards the end of the race, they had that fuel pump issue. And they just weren't able to recover from it. Both teams, uh, you know, just dying out completely. And uh, unfortunate to see because I think Max was in line for a solid finish, finishing second. I thought Chunko might have had a chance to chase down Carlos, too, and get a podium. But that fuel pump issue, man. Ugh. Actually, Max was ahead, right? No, not Max. Um, Checo was ahead of Carlos, and they just both had that fuel. Apparently, it's a fuel pump issue, which supposedly is a standard part from the FIA, and uh, that might prove to be problematic in the future because, you know, it's a standard part, and if these teams are going to be having problems with a standard part, that's not going to be a good look at all for the FIA and some other issues, but... Listen, I, I don't think Red Bull is going to be like... Uh, they're not going to have reliability issues every week. Uh, I think Red Bull is going to be right there. They're, I think it's going to be kind of similar to last year where on certain tracks, it's a Ferrari track, certain tracks, it's a Red Bull track. And I think, too, we're going to see this competition start to merge in. I think we're going to see Mercedes get closer. And I don't know who the best of the rest is going to be right now. Technically, it should be Haas, but um, we don't really know. Uh... Alpine looks like they could have good performances. I don't think Alpha Tauri's out of the woods yet either. Um, but right now, if you're looking at best of the rest teams that at least look decent, you're talking about Haas. And I'm sorry, I'm riding the Haas train. I'm all aboard that Haas train. I, I want to see them succeed. It's, it's good for the sport. But could not have been more happy with a Ferrari win. And not, not so much. I'm not a Ferrari fan. I'm not. But just to see that car back in victory lane 
it's something special. It's something, I think when people think F1, they think Ferrari. And at least the older generation, at least my generation. Maybe they think Mercedes, but when I think F1, I think of Michael Schumacher and that red Ferrari. And uh, it's truly special to see them back in victory lane. If they're going to be competing for a championship again, there'd be no one else more deserving than Charles Leclerc. I truly think so, and I'm not saying he's going to win the championship. It's You can't say anything after one race, but to see this max for Charles, and I really hope that Lewis finds his way into it. I think I don't think Mercedes is done yet. I don't think they're going to be completely out of the woods. They prove that they can, they can hang with the big guys, I think. So we'll see what happens. Uh, this week was a very entertaining race. It was a great race week. Grace week. Great. God, I can't talk. Great race. Great race weekend, and I think that next week is going to be even crazier. We're talking about Jeddah. Man, that track is something unique. It's something cool. It's It's got those fast turns, fast corners. I don't know. I don't know what team is going to be the best. It's what team has the reliability, first of all, to handle those high speeds. What team can um, take advantage of that. So I wonder if that's going to lend itself to Ferrari, or does Red Bull maybe have more of the power? Will reliability hold up for the field overall? I mean, I don't know. Last time we were at Saudi Arabia, it was a mess, so I hope it's not the same this year. I hope it's a much smoother race. I think this race weekend was kind of crazy and how smooth it was. We had some, we had Mick doing his little 360. That was like made the only major incident. And then we had, you know, Pierre with his little spin out. Uh, well, actually, his car went on fire um, towards the end of the race. And of course, we had Checo and Max with their reliability issues. But, it's going to be interesting to see. I'm excited. The Formula 1 2022 season is back. Uh, that's my little race weekend breakdown. And uh, I can't wait to talk to you guys on uh, Friday, breaking down the preview for this uh, race in Saudi Arabia. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be great. And we're going to see some amazing things happen again, I think, next week, race weekend. So I'll talk to you guys soon. Enjoy. Get over the race. Get some good night's sleep, and I'll talk to you guys later.